millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Are we going to be billions short when it comes to financing this part of the world? According to the finance minister and a top economist speaking separately, it doesn't look good financially. It's um, possibly the first of the rows, is it? Would it be fair enough to say that? Funding. Is it going to highlight just how shaky the ground is that we're on? Uh, Let's have a look at some of the newspaper headlines locally this morning. The newsletter, big banner headline, where's the money? Uh, The Irish News, deal money falls short, says Finance Minister. And the headline in the Belfast Telegraph, we need five billion, five billion and a picture of Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister who was here yesterday, scratching his head. Uh, let me speak to the man who's suggesting that we need five billion uh, economist Dr Esmond Burney. Uh, Esmond, good morning Good morning uh, How do you come to the five billion figure? Because that's going to leave us at least three billion short maybe three and a half billion short Yes, it is indeed quite a, it is a serious position. Well, um, the figure is based on statements over recent months by official figures, permanent secretaries in the various departments, um, the Northern Ireland um, Audit Office, uh, and other senior officials. Now, it's not based on the work that it seems the Department of Finance has been doing uh, on behalf of their minister, uh, the new minister for finance, Conor Murphy. Obviously, that's secret. And that's part of the negotiation going on with the London government, the London Treasury. But, you know, this is an informed estimate and it's the sum of the money which it's been said we need to use to get our hospital waiting list down from the appalling level that they've reached to implement the structural reforms and health the so-called Bengoa agenda to fill in the potholes and restore roads to their previous standards of maintenance and repair Uh, Some major pieces of infrastructure like the uh, York Street interchange and, of course, the really big ticket item that, uh, rightly, people have been talking a lot about over the last day or so, uh, water and sewerage treatment, 2.5 billion, 2.5 thousand million pounds for that alone, uh, 
over um, seven years or so. So when you add all of that up, and that isn't, I have to say, a comprehensive list. There could be other items added, uh, what you do about railways, what you do about the energy network, what you do about digital. Um, you're, you are talking about five thousand million or five billion pounds. It's an incredible amount of money and we're not certain how much we're actually getting. The finance minister says it certainly isn't enough. He knows what's coming down the, the pipes. On the subject of the, the pipes, and this comes up you know, every single time there's a discussion at Stormont about funding, whether or not there should be water charges. And some say yes and some say no. Uh, Michelle O'Neill's very clear on she says no. Edwin Poots is among those suggesting that uh, it might be considered. Would, would water charges be an actual panacea for some of these ills? Uh, They wouldn't necessarily be a panacea but they would certainly help and and I know this isn't going to be easy or comfortable but there's a broader sort of question of how we raise revenue and I'm pretty sure that Prime Minister Johnson and even more so the Treasury of London are very much keyed into this And what they will be looking at are the figures which show that if you compare Northern Ireland with a part of Great Britain that's broadly comparable in terms of levels of unemployment, levels of poverty, let's say Wales, the Welsh economy, uh, people in Northern Ireland on average, average household is paying much less when you combine their rates payments. And, of course, we don't yet pay domestic water charges. You compare that to the average household in Wales, and you are talking about a considerable difference per household. So I would have no doubt that in the secret negotiations that are ongoing between uh, the finance minister here in Stormont and in London, this point is being made very strongly that uh, there's always sort of an argument of natural justice and economic efficiency that North Ireland should be paying more. Now, our current position where we're not paying water charges, it does then mean that we're paying indirectly through other areas of public services which get less funding and uh, you know, arguably this is a less fair way of, of doing public services that we've devised in Northam because the other parts of the public services, be it education, be it hospitals, and probably therefore people on lower incomes who are suffering because we don't have water charges which are related to the ability to pay. It is a vote loser, however. Politicians never like to put up their, put up their flag um, yes, and say, I'm, that, I'm on for charging you for water yeah, because we have this that, impression that we're already paying yeah. for it. That, that, yes, and you're right about the word impression. That's often the perception, but it's only a perception that's not really accurate when you look at the figures. And it should be said that back in the previous period of devolution, around about 2008, uh, when, interestingly enough, uh, Minister Murphy at that point, Conor Murphy was the minister responsible for the water service, the executive at that point came pretty close to introducing a system of uh, charging most, though probably not all households, because there would be a sort of protection for low-income households. Uh, They came pretty close to introducing charges based uh, related to rateable values of properties. And for reasons that were never entirely clear at, at the 
at the final stage of the process, the executive moved away, and uh, obviously over the last decade, the political consensus amongst the Northern parties has been that we shouldn't have water charges. But I, I think that's a, a mistaken consensus. It's not sustainable. And at some point, hopefully in the relatively near future, uh, this is one of the sort of reality checks that uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to have. And finally, Esmond, if we don't get the money that you're suggesting we need, will the departments start falling out among each other? Will this lead to angst? Well, it certainly need to angst. Now, you know, we need to be realistic about this. This is normal politics, uh, whereby um, there, there's competition between priorities. Uh, and this is one of you know the challenges of of political leadership and political responsibility that you have to set priorities and decide what is your top priority. You can't make everything your top priority. But I suppose there are a number of things that the executive can do. And indeed, to some extent, I'm sure they are doing at the moment. They can obviously engage in negotiation with London. That's, I'm sure, ongoing to try and get more money. They can set priorities, um, as, as I've been saying. We can do, I think, a lot better. The North End Audit Office pointed this out very recently in a report in terms of spending uh, the money that we do spend on big infrastructure, the procurement or the, the purchase and building of large infrastructure projects, we could become a lot more efficient about that. And as, as I've said, we do need to look at the broader issue of revenue raising, be that domestic water charges, be that higher tuition fees for universities, be that looking again at the free prescription charges, be that even looking at road pricing charges. Uh, These things are not comfortable, but um, ultimately, somehow or other, the infrastructure and other public spending that we want and need will have to be paid for. It will be paid for in some form. We need to devise the fairest way of doing so. You're sending a cold chill down many's a spine, Esmond. I suppose you're talking reality. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> All right. But thank- it is the reality. Okay, thank you. As the economist sees it, thank reality you. is reality. Thank you very much uh, for your time, Dr. Esmond uh, Burney. Uh, Alison Morris, uh, patiently listening to all of this from the, the Irish <laughs> News. Uh, Alison, we were so full of hope there at the weekend, but now we've, now we've got the, the new motor. We're having the money to put the petrol in it. I think that's the issue. The, the problem was that the deal, as it was, as it was presented um, last Thursday night, and it was full of aspiration and it was full of answers to long-running problems. Um, and I suppose people had assumed that the politicians, as part of that deal and before they signed up to that deal, had got cast-iron assurances that the finances would be in place to implement all of those um, promises were made in that deal. You know, I suppose the main one that we've all been talking about, the health service and trying to get the weight in this time, that includes getting pay parity for the healthcare staff um, to prevent the, the ongoing strikes. So that would have been one of them. You take that out of the budget and that's a hell of a, a lump of money. And then you have to start with all the other things, a couple of those projects, the education um, under achievement that needs tackled. I mean, there's a million things in there and all of them cost millions of pounds. It appeared yesterday, and I was at Stormont yesterday when Boris Johnson arrived, that he was far from happy to just sign a, sign a blank cheque. Um, I mean, in, in 
you seen when he, you know, came down the stairs and he, he tried to rip off Tony Blair's hand of history moment and he said that he had the hand of the future. Um, but the hand didn't seem to be passing out what the cash when he was there for sure. So Conor Murphy had said that it seems that the the agreed figure was in excess of two billion. We're clear in speculation that what the British government's offering is about one and a half billion. Um, and then you see you have to take it around because we think here that we're just, you know, ourselves alone and that everything should, you know, as rightly people here think, should should be concentrated on us. But once uh, Westminster starts handing out wheelbarrows of cash, people in Scotland are going to say, sorry, where's my, where's my money? The Welsh are going to say, where's my money? Um, we have issues with our health service as well, so there's all those things. But I did find interesting now listening to Esmond when he was talking about how we should pay our own way. If you look at Scotland and you look at the Scottish model, they have free, free education, they have free prescriptions, they have much better elderly care than we have. So there is a way of sustaining um, yourself, and that's obviously as they have an SNP majority government. But I don't think here we're in our infancy, infancy of, of trying to rule and control ourselves, and there's there's a, a lack sometimes of experience, a lack of understanding. And the big hope for this new devolution is that all the mistakes that were made in the past um, that were not just made, but that were covered up, that we're going to have a more open and, and transparent form of government. But I do think that there's going to be some hard lessons learned here. First of all, don't believe everything that the British tell you when they're trying to get you to sign your name on the dotted line on a day. Yeah, but is it fair to compare us to Scotland? Because if Scotland was standing alone, it would have a far stronger economy than Northern Ireland standing alone. They do, because they haven't had the years of neglect and um, economic deprivation that we have had. So, you know, our troubles obviously meant that we didn't have investment here. And then that continued on after that. There was no real attempt. We rely very heavily, as you know, on public sector um, workers. I mean, we're supposed to, we're in a, a period now where Brexit's had people talking about what would happen in the future of border poll. Well, these are the issues that you need to talk about. How are we going to self-sustain ourselves? Are we economically um, self-sufficient? And how then do you make yourself self- economically self-sufficient? So Scotland has investment, they have industries, and they have um, tourism, and they also have natural resources, and they have things that we would need to explore and try and look at before we ever try to think of, of standing on our own. But at the same time, too, in the here and now, it doesn't solve the, the problems that exist because of, well, there was, you know, already austerity and Tory austerity before the Assembly collapsed, and then we've had three years of no decision-making, and people just about going in the morning keeping the lights on, and the, the, the backlog of that and the domino effect of that is the mess that we're in now. Do we have politicians, however, who are prepared to make decisions that could, in the round proved to be unpopular because people would have to fork out more money at at their own income level. The water charges situation, I suppose, let's take that as an example. I think that, you know, we know that water meters were being fitted. Um, we know that there was a plan to introduce um, water charges at some stage, albeit how far along that plan was, we don't know. And then I think what happened was you've seen the backlash to the introduction of water charges in the south. When they had their economic downturn and you're saying, you know, the protests in the street and the mobilisation of people are, and I think that that spooked, in many ways, spooked the, the devolved government of the time and they didn't want to be seen to be, you know, the big bad bogeymen. Um, we also have really high rates of unemployment, mental health and all sorts of other things. I mean, some people are simply not due to their experiences fit for work in any shape or form and we have reduced social, social welfare. There's all these things that make us quite a unique place. But at the same time, too, that's not going to, I think, carry much weight with, you know, a, a Boris Johnson government who are going to say, right, OK, that's all terrible and awfully sad, but 
you're going to have to rule yourselves. And you could hear that from because I was standing right beside him when he was speaking and he said, well, this isn't all about money. It's about people stepping up and doing things. And in fact, most of it is about money. It can't be fixed about money. Um, we're talking about, you know, years and years and years of neglect and then three years of, of total non-movement. And those things cannot be fixed without cash. I think if we even fixed them to even to get the place that we were before, which let's face it wasn't some utopia. Um, but I think too that the, the public need to be realistic. Getting Stormont back up and running is always the best option to, ha- to have locally accountable ministers and to have people making decisions instantly, especially because we're just about to, to fall off the cliff edge of this Brexit. We need people who, you know, Robin Swan is going to be the health minister. If by some reason Brexit means there's a, a some sort of a, a halt in the supply chain of medicines, he needs to be able to go in straight away and say, well, find me another supply chain, find me another route, let's get this sorted. Without a health minister, that would have, all that would have been quite difficult. But at the same time, too, we need to be realistic that they don't have a magic wand. You know, the fact that they're back up at work does not mean, and I've seen some, you know, commentary about, you know, let's get them back to work and get all this fixed. It's not going to be as easy as that. You cannot reverse what is generations of neglect in this place overnight. Um, having locally accountable ministers is always the ideal. Having people who you can go up and lobby and say, this is where this is needed and this is where it isn't. And having experts that understand the geography and the makeup and the, the very unique situations that we live in here is always preferable. But it's not the answer to, you know, it's not a magic wand. It's not, you know, someone isn't going to go and sprinkle fairy dust over Stormont and all of a sudden everything here is going to be wonderful. I think that we need to be realistic about what can be achieved and when. There's a time frame for all these things. They're not going to happen overnight. I think that if it was up to me and I was up with that executive and I was, you know, the finance minister dealing with handout budgets, the first thing you do is try and get as much of the, the backlog and waiting list in the health service fixed because all of the, the other things that come along with that, you know, yeah, if but, you're in bad health, you can't work. Of yeah. course, but, you know, would you be prepared as a politician to make, take steps in certain towns that would close certain health facilities and say it's not cost effective to have this here, it's going to be somewhere else? like it or lump it, we have to do that. We don't seem to have politicians who are prepared to do anything that would lose them a vote. No, and, and people here think that, you know, there should be a school on every corner and, you know, and, you know, that there should be, you know, a, a doctor's on the bottom of every high street and that we, we should, and if you go to the other places, you know, you can see that that's not how they operate and that's how they save money. I think that this is this is going to have to be different and the fact is that there are some rural schools and some schools that are operating with such low numbers that they're just not financially viable. Um, there needs to be more amalgamation of schools. There needs to be all sorts of difficult decisions done. And the fact is that those politicians have always been unwilling to take those decisions if they're in their particular constituency and they think they're going to have to be punished for it. And what we've seen, especially, I suppose, RHI shone a light into it, was that at that point in time that there was many of those ministers who were putting party before their job. They were putting their own personal electoral success before their job and what they need to do is as a minister you need to look at these things um, in a, a very clinical way, in a way that you take, um, you take the advice of your advisors and the people and the experts that you have around you and that may, may mean making difficult decisions. I, I think that we need to be prepared that all of this doesn't mean that we're going to get everything that we want. You know, I think if there was, you know, you put you know the table forward about everything that everyone expected on it, we're maybe going to get less than half of half of that. 
um, than what people expected. I can I can assure you, listening just in the brief time, I listened to Boris Johnson yesterday. He's not here with a blank checkbook. He didn't come here to throw money and fix everything that way. So I think there's going to have to be some more lobbying to make sure we get the money that was promised during those talks. But also there needs to be some smart spending of that money. And there also needs to be some sustainability because then we need to look at the future and see how are we going to finance these things going forward and how are we going to finance them in the future. And that may mean making some some tough decisions. The, the one thing that actually angers me most of the time is you know, I have a job and I work and yet my prescriptions don't cost me anything. And I have always been of the opinion that if you can afford to pay for your prescriptions, you should. And people who can't afford to pay for them shouldn't. Um, and that may not be, may, may have been popular. And I think that when that was introduced, that policy, it was done in some ways to make make people popular. But in fact, it's very, very wealthy or rich or fairly well-off people get free prescriptions here when that could be put back into the health service to help people who are less well-off and who need an operation. I think this is one of the silliest things that's ever if we're introduced here, there should be means tested. But there's, so there's things like that that could be done, that could change and could help. Um, but the, the question remains is, is, is there someone who's brave enough to do it? Okay. Alison, thank you very much indeed. How do we save money? And are you prepared to take a bit of a hit yourself in the effort to generate the finances that we need? We're certainly not going to be getting them from Boris Johnson. Uh, 02890 uh, good morning to you. The cold light of reality is beginning to shine through the corridors of Stormont. This is the U105 phone-in. 